John. I so thrilled last evening at the preaching of the Word of the Lord. How concise and how beautifully exhibited. I, I marvel every time I hear a preacher how God can so mix himself with a man's personality. So can, but it's still God through it all. And use that man's vocabulary, his vernacular, and all the other things about him, but it's still God. And how crystal clear I heard the Lord last night. Amen. I wouldn't take anything for what I heard. Praise God. I was reading some time back, and uh, you know, key word around here last evening and even today has been the word conviction. Amen. The Bible teaches us that you must guard your brother's conscience. It's your responsibility. That uh, said about that eating of meat, Paul taught, he said, that we know an idol's nothing, that it cannot contaminate the meat. There'd be nothing wrong with eating, but if a man has a conscience not to do it, not to do something that is right, my friend. We're not talking about sin, but against something that's right. If that man's conscience, if he has a mental discomfort about it, you would be entirely wrong to instruct him to eat it because you have emboldened that man's conscience. And the principle is this, that what will guard, even though what he would be doing be right, you can do some things right and be dead wrong. And so it is your responsibility to check yourself in situations for your brother's good. Now, if it doesn't teach that, I don't know what it teaches. That's why Paul said, if meat offend my brother, I will eat no meat as long as the world stands. Did he say it or not? And he knew perfectly well that he had liberty to eat it. But if it offends you, I refuse to touch it. Praise God. And so I appreciated what that was. I heard that mentioned in Brother Gilmer's message last night through and through it. Beautifully balanced on both sides. And I appreciated that very much. Will you help me glorify the Lord today? John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Praise God, who is the image of the invisible God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. I'd like to use this as our subject today, Jesus Christ. The divine language. 
Jesus Christ, the divine language. He is, he is heaven's alphabet. He is all in all. He is everything there is to say about it all. Praise God. I'm glad we know who He is today. Jesus Christ, the divine language. Let's pray, would you please? God, we thank You once again. God, for Your goodness. Mercy in Your grace, God. Help us again. God, that we would somehow hear Your Word today. Without You, we can do nothing. With you, all things are possible. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Praise God. Give us some mind here, please. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Thank you for your attention. The reading in John 1 is me. I have never grown weary of reading it. It still thrills me through and through. In the beginning was the Word. I like the way it says what it says. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It somehow begins to clue my not too... Uh, able mind to grasp the aspect that we're talking here about language. In the beginning was the Word. And that word, word, doesn't mean just uh, a word, but it means the complete thought of God Almighty. It is not just a fraction nor a portion, but it is the complete mind of God. It is all that God thinks, all the mentality of God. It is not just an afterthought nor a forethought, but it is the Word complete. And it says that in the beginning was the Word or the language of God. That language was God. Then later it is to tell us that that word or that language became flesh. The complete language, the divine language, became God. Now, I find in the Bible that language, first and foremost, is for communication. Certainly wasn't put in man to somehow that he could just hear the melodious tones of his voice. But his primary function is communication. It is so that there can be some transference of what I think to you and verse vice versa. That is communication. Communication is uh, a dialogue rather than a monologue. It's not communication if it's only one way. But for it to be communication, it must be two ways at least. And so it would have been very, very impossible for there to be a complete communication of God to man with just a, a monologue. There had to be a, a dialogue in this thing. There had to have been a communication set by God. Matter of fact, what I find in the garden when that God created Adam, some time before Eve comes on the scene, God has already invested in Adam the ability to speak. For he is even going to give Eve her name. He already has a vocabulary. He already has a thinking capability. He has it before there is another human being in the world. He has the ability 
to speak and to talk. God did not at the time of the taking of the rib and the sleep that fell on Adam when he woke up then able to communicate because now then there was somebody else to talk to. He had it before he did that. That tells me that first and foremost the, the thing that you use to bring your lips together and move your tongue was not first and foremost so much for ourselves, among ourselves, but it was first and foremost for you to communicate with God Almighty. I believe that prayer was the first communication. That there was this language before there was an Eve to speak to. That God, even though God knew Adam's thoughts, He wanted him to vocally talk to him. He wanted an oral expression. He wanted communication between them. Praise God. And so first and foremost, God gave man language for communication to him. I like what it says in Genesis 3 and 8. It said, and Adam, after that the fall has taken place, and he, he didn't see God, but he said he heard the voice of the Lord walking. The voice walking. In the garden. Matter of fact, it says it in the cool. That word cool there is not so much talking about the temperature on the thermostat, but it's talking about a breeze. He heard the voice walking in the wind. He felt a breeze blow upon him. Already a good example of what was to come on the day of Pentecost. When the voice will come and men will speak that divine language. Hallelujah. And Genesis, the first thing that surely is thrown to your mind when you begin to read the first chapter of Genesis is over and over again. Verse 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 29. It says, and God said, you are you have to see quickly that you are dealing with a God that talks. Of a God that speaks. A voice that brings creation. And that there is communication that He desires probably above all else. That's why that when we have Communion. That means communication. Usually, the cause of most all understandings to a great degree is because of lack of communication. A company cannot long exist if the, it can have ever so good a product. And it can have the right equipment, but if somewhere there are, are bogged up channels of communication on different strata that company it is doomed to failure. Communication is the thing that keeps the ball rolling. It is the thing that keeps the, the pistons pumping. It is the thing that keeps the product rolling and everything else going its way without communication. It comes to a dead standstill. Same thing's true in the church of the living God. It is communication that is paramount. If communication ceases from this pulpit, it is only a matter of time until you and I are completely in the dark. We are seen in the hour we're living. Hey, quick drying up of communication until that you have lived to see the day that that people don't encourage Bible study. Matter of fact, it brings a yawn to their mouth. It is not thrilling. What we want is some excitement. 
I don't know about you, but ever since I got in this, there is nothing any more thrilling for that preacher to open a black back book and tell me what the Lord said. Hallelujah. And then wonder why there's fornication, adultery, and everything else sitting on pews all over this country. I'll tell you why. Because communication channels have came stopped up. If we ever get afraid of communication, then we just cut our own throat. Praise God. I like the way it says over there when they read that book of the law. Not a pulpit action only there going on. But it said, The priest shall read in a loud voice and shall say, Cursed. And then it goes on and completes that thought. And then it says, And all the people answered and said, Amen. And then it reads the next point and it says, And all the people answered and said, Amen. We don't want to draw out the whole document and wait for you to put a stamp of approval on it, but with every point, there ought to be a reciprocation. Ought to be a communication. That's why apostolic preaching is different than any other kind of preaching because it's the only kind of preaching that when God says something, He wants you to answer back. He wants you to sit in there like a hoot owl. He wants you to open your mouth and say, Amen. Praise God. Well, the first order of business is communication. For instance, I can see it now if in a neighborhood somewhere that some children got ready to get in the ballpark and play ball. But the problem is they're all from different countries. One speaking English, one Chinese, another one this and another one that. Now, to get this show on the road, the first important thing, you may have baseball and bat. And if nobody there but one has a knowledge of what's going on, there has to be first communication. Yeah. So you can maybe for a little while you can get some of the basics over. About ball is ball. Bat. And go through the motion about swinging the bat, but you you maybe get the point over about how to hit the ball. But there are aspects about the game that you're gonna be in trouble explaining without communication where that you you can gesture some things out. But there's something it's hard to try to explain to that fella about you. you well, I called a strike because you broke your wrist, or because of uh, uh, whatever another technical thing, a rule that's on there that might be explaining just three and you're out, or whatever else that goes on in there. Something that can't be gestured out too easily. You got a problem with communication. And what I'm trying to get to see is that in the garden there was perfect communication. When God spoke, man understood. And when that man spoke, it was a clear and fluent talk to God. But with the fall, there came a perverted communion. Man somehow lost his ability to communion with God. He's only left with a few utterances and a few little things that kind of make a little bit of spiritual sense, but he can't get the vocabulary together. So God's trying to tell us some technicalities about how to live for Him. There's some things you can't just out in this. we got to hear explicitly from the Lord. Well, we can maybe show you. Sleeve down to here. Hair to here. But there's some things about living for God you can't just out. to hear that, that communication. Oh, God, we're in trouble if we can't speak the language of heaven. 
if it's Greek to you. Praise God. Our Bible is a perfect example of what happened there. They were of one language. God said, let's go down and confound they went down and, and God confounded them. All of a sudden, in the mid-sentence, some of them started speaking in unintelligibly to the other. Uh, it wasn't probably all family members either. Probably families got divided up in there. But I'll tell you what happened before the end of the day was over. Folks found somebody that talked like they talked. Can you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I'm glad to find you. Man, I'm so glad to find you. Y'all understand what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that God's hunting somebody that can understand the principles of holiness and the principles of salvation and that we can answer back with a clear call. I understand what you said. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have lost so many times the ability. I have seen folks that you might as well have been talking Chinese to them. They were grasping nothing of what you said. Because they didn't have the vocabulary of spirituality. I'm telling you, the only way that comes is in a prayer closet. And by obedience to this Word and by communion with God that you can ever... If you lose communion with God, I guarantee you'll lose communion with this pulpit. I was reading something that interested me anyway. was intrigued me. It was about Latin. Nobody speaks Latin. Latin is a symbolic language or a pictorial language. It is no longer a spoken language, even a dead language, because even though it is written down, people look at it as symbol and not as sound. What they write out on the... uh, thing and all that, they, they don't pronounce that. They know how the letters look out at that scene. It is not a spoken language. Somewhere along the line, it uh, by the 16th century, what I was reading said that, that people that were supposedly speaking Latin, they couldn't understand each other from uh, different uh, countries. And, different, and so therefore, even though the word was the same, it was pronounced entirely different by different people until it completely died out as far as spoken was concerned. And so it's still around today and it's still used, but it is not a spoken language. Man, way back there in the garden, spoke it right. But with the fall, he lost the ability to really commune with God. Not that God changed his vocabulary, but man, because sin entered in, messed up his twist of his tongue. Messed up the dialect of his language. And he spoke carnal, sensual, earthly, and no longer heavenly. You ever wondered why when you get the Holy Ghost, you talk in tongues? Hallelujah to God. For that spirit will cry, Abba, Father. And for the first time in your life, you're back to talking right again. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I'm telling you to be able to keep continuing to understand what God says, you've got to stay with it. I remember when I was in what little college I had, I uh, was required to take a one foreign language. I took Spanish. And in Spanish class, after a while, they would not let you use any English. 
so I usually was very quiet. Except for K. Pasa. But, uh, and uh, I, I learned uh, some words. La Ventana. La Mesa. Yeah. All few of those others and the genders and whatever. But because that when that class is over, buddy, it was back. The hot dog, hallelujah. English. And the only time I even tried to even think it. Now, they tell me to be fluent in a language. You must be able to think in that language. You are not fluent until you can think in that language. If you are transposing, you are not fluent. In other words, if you have to take the English and then try to run through the scanner and try to find the word that transposes, you're not fluent in that language. You are just transposing. And so therefore you are you are stilted in your speech. You cannot think in it, therefore you cannot speak effectively in it. We've got folks that do a lot of transposing in this. Stuttering, trying to live for God. Because somehow they can't ever get that mind in them which was in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, there is no way you can read an encyclopedia till you're blue in the face. I'm telling you, you can go through secular school and go through anything else you want to, but nothing can substitute for you having communion with God and learning the voice of spirituality. Praise God. I'm telling you, there's things God's got to tell us that we can't even start to conceive of. I know it's so because the Apostle Paul said, I went to heaven. Whether in the flesh or out of the flesh, I don't know, but I'll tell you this, I saw things I can't tell you about. He said this way, unlawful for man to utter. That didn't mean that, he, that God said, don't you go back and tell him what you saw up here now. That ain't what he meant. What he meant was, I can't tell you because there's no earthly counterpart. I can't explain it to you because you don't have nothing in your vocabulary that'll even come close. That's why I have not seen, you have not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Praise God. So that tells me, oh, God, somehow, get this stupid, gross mentality off me and let me get in the Holy Ghost and let me hear what thus saith the Lord. So here we were at the garden. Man lost the ability. He just had stuttering words and somehow he could just say, God. But he couldn't complete sentences couldn't speak intelligibly anymore to God. He lost it all. Only a small semblance left of paradise. So what the problem was, we needed an instructor to bring us unto Christ. We needed a tutor, if you please. We needed somebody to tell me how to speak one more time the things of God. So communication had to be established again, and since it's impossible for us to do it, He gave Himself the vocabulary. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The vocabulary stood in flesh and we beheld His glory. I've come down here to tell you how to talk right, think right, and communicate. I'm restoring a lost language to you. Praise God. That's why it said in Colossians, He was the image of the invisible God. Praise God. That uh, in carnal reasoning if somebody looked at that's why for God's sake don't use your logic on this book 
It'll put you in the pit so quick you won't know what hits you. For man by his wisdom knew not God. And so it tells us that he was the image of the invisible God. That into a carnal mind that will not even make sense. Because what you are saying is that Jesus was an, was an image of something that can never be seen. You have contradictory terms. Image and invisible. You can't have an image of something that cannot be seen. He's not in carnality's way of thinking anyhow. Hallelujah. That word image means a representation of a person or a thing. The visual impression of something produced by reflection. Invisible means not visible, that which cannot be seen. But according to Colossians 1.15, you can read it this way. Jesus is the image or the visual impression of the visible or, or invisible cannot be seen God. Hallelujah. Oh, I like that. He is the visible of the invisible. He is the seen of the unseen. He is the vocabulary of the voice. He is the complete embodiment. That's why all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now, that's hard for us to get a hold of because we're not used to folks being invisible. We're used to some things being invisible. Maybe the wind, when it goes through the trees, you're used to not being able to see that. Or the microwaves that cook your food in the microwave. Or the radio waves that come through your antenna and into your uh, car radio. You're used to those things being invisible. But you're not used to flesh and blood or folks or a voice. If there's a voice, you hunt for a body! Right. That who said that. And so it is that you look for the body when there's a voice. For instance, uh, on a telephone, you may not know the individual you're talking to, but I'll tell you what you do, unconsciously or consciously. You try to imagine, you make an image of what that person looks When you hear someone on the radio, you ever done it when that... Uh, you might be listening to a news commentator very often, and one day you see his picture in the paper. You say, man, he don't look like he sounds. Yeah, he does. He don't, he don't look like the same fellow you had him made out to be. Because you had made an image completely different from the real one. Because it's human to flesh out. When you read a book and a character, even though there may not be a lot of description about that character in that book, matter of fact, Lots of times there's not. They don't minutely detail them because humans have the ability to make images. And because of the way they talk and the way they do things, you flesh that character out. Hallelujah. And so, here's what happened when God began to talk. They started trying to make images. God said, no, you ain't doing that. No, you ain't doing it because you're going to make the wrong one. And I refuse. Matter of fact, I'm putting a stiff penalty of death on it for any man that even makes a graven image. You know why? Because he was the only one that knew what he looked like. For instance, let's just say today that uh, in my hip pocket, I got a Calcutrue seismometer. Yeah, I do. I got a little project for you. I want you to take your pencil and pen and draw me a picture of it. Yeah, you're right. You don't know what it is. Neither do I. But let's just say that I did. Let's just say I got one right in my hip pocket. Matter of fact, I'm the only one in the world that's got it. Because I made it myself. And I can name it what I want to name it since I made it. Mine. I want to go by what you say. I can make a calculus psychometer just any way I want to do it. 
And your little your little class is this. Draw it. He said, Well, show it to me and I will. No, you draw it. He said, Well, give me a hint. You know, you might with the armature on there, you might think of speedometer, you might think of thermometer, you might think of a lot of things because you try to use your vocabulary and what you know and try to somehow draw a representation, but that may not have nothing to do with the armature that I got. You may be a million miles off base. And you can have your little supposition stand up and say, Now, I think it looks like this. So what? What's your opinion? It don't count. You ain't never seen it, and I never told you. So you really, you don't have your opinions as good as his. And his as good as yours. And all of you put together ain't worth a dime. Bobby well, waited a long time to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Now, after you've drawn up all the paper you want to draw up and said, this is what I think it looks like, you can wad it up and throw it in the trash can. I'm the only one here that can draw it. I'm the only one that can bring the representation of it because it's mine. I made it. I'm the creator of it. You don't know nothing about it. You don't have any, how high it is. Well, you say, well, it's in your hip pocket. It's got to be pretty small. That's about all you can get out of it. But what I'm trying to tell you is that's what God said. No, you're not making any graven images. I ain't leaving it up to you to draw a representation of who I am and what I look like and how I am. I refuse to let you do that. I'm the only one here that knows who I am and knows what I look like and what I am and who I am and what I like and what I dislike. I'm the only one that has the right to interpret myself. Woo, hallelujah to God. And the Word became flesh. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God is the only one that can rightfully portray Himself. Because He's the only one that knows what He looks like. Great is the mystery of Godliness. For God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels. Praise God. For no man, no man has seen God at any time. No man has seen God at any time. Moses, I saw his back. No, you didn't see his back. Yeah, I did. I saw the belt loops when he went by in the back. I didn't see his back. I didn't get to see his face, but I saw the back of his head. How dumb can a club get? He said, well, it said Moses saw the hind parts of God. Didn't have any reverence to an image. All he's talking about is Genesis. All he's talking about is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know who wrote that? Moses. How can you write that, Moses? You wasn't there. Oh, yeah, but I saw the hind parts. I saw that which was before. God showed me that which had been. And there I wrote it down, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That was the hind parts. He didn't see the back of God. He saw the back that had been, the present that before he ever got there. Genesis, if you please. Hallelujah. He didn't see it. The Old Testament was full of manifestations, a burning bush. That was not an image, but a manifestation. The thunder and the lightning. God shrouded Himself, it said, in dark clouds. That wasn't God. That thunder and lightning wasn't Him. That was His hiding. A manifestation of His presence. That cloud wasn't Him that the children of Israel saw. The pillar of fire was not Him. It was not His image. They were only manifestations of His presence. 
Praise God. And so what man didn't need, he didn't need just a pictorial. It wouldn't have helped us one bit for God to have just sent us a snapshot. We needed more than just a pictorial representation of God. That's why I said you can't make a graven image unto yourself. But I'm going to come walking. I'm going to come talking. I'm going to come breathing. I'm going to be with blood coursing through my veins. I'm going to be among you. Hallelujah. Praise God. We needed a spoken language more than a pictorial. A picture wasn't going to help me. I needed that communication. A picture can't talk. The law that Moses received was, was only a letter from heaven. Written by the finger of God. Moses was just a postman. God just sent a letter from the glory world to this world. He just sent it special delivery by Moses. That's a long way from receiving a letter standing eyeball to eyeball with the writer there. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we needed a whole lot more than just a letter. Because there were some things about this ball game that we wasn't getting right. There's some things maybe we could understand maybe about getting the ball with a bat, but we were sure not understanding the technicalities of this thing. We, need, we was having trouble communicating. Jews just, they went through their, their ritual. They went through their form. They was hitting the ball with a bat. And the law, if you hear me now, was good and just. And it was God. They perverted it. But the law, in essence, was the very character of God. It was His disposition. It has never been done away with. Hallelujah. Ordinances, yes, but the nutshell of the law, never. Because it is God's temperament. His likes, His dislikes. Well, I, it's one thing for me to sit down and read the letter. Or the letter, kill it. But the Spirit giveth life. Hallelujah. And so it was. Since we could not picture salvation, our vocabulary, we just didn't have words. Before you can think about something, you've got to have a word for it. You can't think of that which you cannot speak. That which you cannot get up here in that gray matter and turn around, you cannot unless it is there. And we didn't have it. We were all went astray. We were all, you hear me? There ain't none of us here because you got so smart. Or because somehow you just lucked out and walked in the door at the right time. I'm telling you, none of us were, we were so ignorant and dead and trespasses and sin with a perverted vocabulary. But thanks be unto God, someday somebody preached this glorious message of salvation and we heard something about that old language and bowed our knee and sought God and God filled you with a Holy Ghost. That's the only reason. You are here. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so the Word became flesh. Jesus said it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the A to the Z. I am the alphabet. I am the whole language of salvation. I am not just a, a footnote of it. I am salvation. And the whole complete vocabulary of salvation. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. He sent His Word to heal you. The best healing you ever got was when you repented of your sin. I've heard it used many times. That verse in the Bible where it says, and the power of the Lord was present. To heal them. I've heard it used many times, and I guess it's okay, it's alright, to go ahead and bring up the sick and pray for them there. But it's really out of context. That's not what it's used. It, in the reading and rendering of that, it doesn't talk about one blinded eye. There are no impotent and blind and halt people there. But this is in setting, 
and scribes and Pharisees and lawyers. And he sat down and taught them and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Talking about His Word to heal their blinded hearts. Let me tell you now, you'd be a lot better with cancer to eat you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and still no salvation. And it is to be perfectly healed and somehow get your eyes open and never have your heart open from blindness. Thank God somehow I saw this glorious light of the gospel when somebody preached and I heard the carrying language of heaven. Man, they were amazed at him out in that boat that day. All of a sudden, the winds and the waves started lapping and they became afraid for their life. Don't you care that we perish? He stood up in the bow of the boat. The language did. The Word did. The divine language of heaven. He said, Peace, be still. And they heard the Master's voice. in Genesis 1 and God said let there be and there was now on the bow of a boat coming from that little 
stature of flesh. Same mighty voice of eternity. Let there be, and there was. Let there be peace, and there was. Ways be still. And they heard the Master's voice. They knew His voice. It's a cry and shame some of us don't. Hallelujah. They stood that day and shook their heads. They had heard Bible talk before. Them Jews had. They had heard it read. They could quote it. Much of it. When he read it. When he spoke it. They said, wait a minute. Man. What manner of man is this? Well, he doesn't teach us like the scribes and Pharisees do, but he teaches as one having authority. I guess he ought to. What they were seeing was the book talking. Hallelujah. How much authority can you get? He was the author. I guess the author can know what he put down. I guess the author knows what he wrote. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the Jews couldn't receive him. You know why? Because of this. You look like us. But the real story was they look like him. <laughs> that was the real story. Because they had forgotten that little passage way back there in Genesis. God made Adam in his own image. Jesus was not made in the image of Adam. Adam was made in the image of Jesus. For the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. It wasn't, this had been a chess game going on, folks, to this bunch move and then yet sit back and see what's going on. He knows the move before you moved. He knows it's going to be checkmate before you get started. I'm telling you, it's not 15 moves to checkmate. It's from the beginning before you sit down at the table. He knows the end of it. That's why that he knew he made man in his own image. And they said, wait a minute, you're talking about Abraham. You, you ain't even 40 years old. You're talking about Abraham seeing you. He said, let me tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. Praise God. And they, they said, hey, wait a minute. You being a man, you make yourself God. They had it messed up again. He being God made himself man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He said, I can do nothing by myself. Well, that proves there's got to be somebody else. I can do nothing of myself, but the Father, He doeth the works. If you don't believe it for the very word's sake, you'll believe it for the works' sake. For the Father is in me. He doeth the works. Praise God. He was the image. He was that, uh, you know, a glove has the image of my hand. The glove laying there on the top of the desk can do nothing of itself. It's got fingers, but it can't hold nothing. It can't double up its foot. It can't say. It can do nothing of itself. But if I can take that glove, that image of my hand, and slip it on my hand, now then what the hand does, the glove does. The Father is in me. He doeth the works. Hallelujah. For He is the image of the invisible God. What it was was that invisible hand that nobody could see slipped itself into a glove of flesh and it moved. Hallelujah. And we beheld His glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's praise Him a little bit, can we? Great is the Lord! And greatly to be praised! Hallelujah! And that Trinitarian says, wait a minute, that ain't good enough. Because Jesus said, what I see the Father do, that's what I do. In other words, He has to mimic what the Father does. He has to watch Him, and the Father does something, He mimics it. Let's say, for instance, we had a 
big mirror around here. If I'm out of viewing range of that mirror, it's empty. When I step into reflection range of it, voila, there's two of us. Now, it's still just one. Now, that fellow in that mirror, you know what he's going to do? He's going to do what I do. Watch it. If I do this, you don't stand there and say, okay. With a time delay behind it. But when I move, it's instantaneous. No time delay whatsoever because really, that's just me. That's my image doing what I'm doing. Hallelujah. And what we saw was just the reflection. We just saw the image as it appeared when he stepped into the vein and the sight of humanity. We saw God as help moved. He moved because he was God, not another, but the very God of heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I love Hebrews. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God. God. Who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us. By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Hebrews chapter 4. Hallelujah. And verse 12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in, not its, but his sight. Hallelujah. And the Word became flesh. I think we've lost the conception sometimes about what preaching really is. That's not just an opinionated man standing here giving you a little disclosure of his thoughts, but it's still the saith the Lord. It's still quick and powerful. It's still God's communication to this world. Hallelujah. In His sight, Hallelujah. Calvary was more than a spectacle. It was a divine statement. It was a discourse God made. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 23. <laughs> to the general assembly. And church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and the God, the judge of all, and the spirit of just men made perfect, and the Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, into the blood, a sprinkling that speaketh. Blood was more than liquid red, crimson flow, but it was a divine language for speaketh better things than that of Abel. For Abel's blood said, Get him, God. Get him, God! Revenge! Just blood cried out, Mercy. That's the only reason me and you are here today. That language said, Mercy! Grace and truth hath kissed Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. Blood that speaketh better things. 
God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save the world. New Testament preaching is the continuation of the divine communication. It is God's only, only way to save men. My sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. Praise God. Go call for one Simon Peter. He shall tell thee words whereby thee and thy house shall be saved. Praise God. You know when Samuel lay sleeping that night and God spoke. Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli's room. He called me, Master. No, it wasn't I. Go lay down. He did it again. And he did it again. Until Eli realized what was going on. But let me pull this little lanny up in here just a minute. Tell you what I believe. I believe that when God spoke, his voice was so much like Eli's. Samuel could not tell the difference. For Eli was the priest, what Eli was. I believe that he had heard, because he said, you did call me. I know your voice. You did talk to me. Until Eli perceived that it was God talking to the boy. Let me tell you, if you hear God, it will sound so much like your preacher, you won't know the difference. Praise God. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Praise God. No temples for Moses and Elijah, for the, that was a time God spoke through the prophets and through the law, but no longer. Now then, divine, complete communication has come, and Jesus is the complete, for you are complete. Tell you now, the Bible tells us we are epistles known and read of all men. You are God's representation. I wonder how they're reading you. Oh, blessed ability to hear. When God speaks. What would we all do if the tap of communication would just turn on? I still appreciate oh more than I love that this is an open book. Let the man preach. Far from Brother Phillips down that part of the country, Alabama. There was a very famous lady many, many years ago. That, in fact, I still think we still have a, a little play we put on once a year about Helen Kelly down there. But uh, as a small child, she contacted a very high fever that when it was left, it left her totally blind and totally deaf. They also thought it had injured her mind because she was like a wild thing. But can you imagine a young child suddenly having the light switched off and everything going silent? Then one thing you have never seen or never heard, but to have it all turned off. Her mind was not deranged. They didn't realize that at the time. But her, of course, she would. Later, they contacted a lady by the name of Ann Sullivan. Some was known later as the Miracle Worker. And uh, she began to tutor this child, trying to reach beyond that silent black world to communicate with God. 
make a long story short, she eventually did that. Helen Keller became a very famous lady. She became much sought after for speakers and talk and write. A very brilliant lady. But I was reading years later in her life when she was an older woman at a news conference and people were news conference were taking questions and asking her and I was reading the questions and her responses and came to a question that a reporter asked me at the time. I thought it was a very foolish question because I thought I knew the answer. But this was a question. They said, Miss Keller, if you could, if it would have been possible that you could receive just either your hearing or your sight, which would you have opted for? Which would you have taken? Stop reading right there for the moment. So that's a really a dumb question. I don't know what she's going to say. My sight. Can you imagine being blind? Or be being When she looked at something, when Miss Keller said, Let me look, what she meant was, Let me feel. She looked at things with her hands. When she looked at this mic stand, she looked at it this way. And got a feeling for what it was. She looked at people. She looked at a missile. Never to see the sunrise of her loved ones, and I thought, surely she'll say my sight. And I was dumbfounded when I read the answer. She said, without hesitation, without any reservation, if I could only have one, I would. And then I thought, here is Lord our God. There's one Lord that you can't hear, you'll never see. Stand, would you please? Hallelujah. Great and mighty is He. Preacher, whatever you do, at least as far as I am concerned, with everything in me, and I believe I mean it with all my heart, talk to me. For God's sake, preach to me. And sometimes we come with preferences and we, oh, I'd like to hear this, I'd like to hear that. Maybe sometimes you might need to hear something you weren't too ready to hear. Because slipping out of your vocabulary of holiness, righteousness, and godly living are some words that we've forgotten. That's why you don't think. Brother Cadmus, as you come, let's lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord.